Hey, this is Bobby. And this is Jared Skyping in. Yeah, we are here on the Frankincense Podcast, another episode of the Quarantine Edition. I feel like this is going to be going on for quite yeah. some time. So, well, the only thing is, we haven't changed our format. We were still Skyping in. We were social distancing before it was cool. We were ahead of the game. Yeah. That's the way it is. We're like quarantine hipsters. That's it. We are. Yeah. We we were we were social distancing, like you said, before it was a cool thing to do. I like it. That's that's good. So how you doing, man? You holding up okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, I, you know, I've been teaching school from home. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. It's 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 hard. It's not the same. I said it last week, but uh, you know, it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. We um. You know, it's it's interesting. People are like, "Oh man, how are things going?" I'm like, "Well, we, we're homeschool parents, so it's like you know, it, know. It, we're pretty much the same." The only to thing be different... honest with you, homeschool parents, this hasn't changed life a whole lot. It's <laughs> it's cut down on the sort of after school activities that would get you out of the house. People people don't realize that homeschool parents enroll their kids in a lot of afternoon and evening classes. I mean, these are these are the people doing ballet and you know community sports. You know? Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, that's, really, that's it's cut down on that a lot. But as far as the curriculum, we didn't have to scramble to find curriculum. We like just keep going. It. As for my family, you know, we live on a dead end road at the end of a gravel road. And for us, um, we're not doomsday preppers. We're not homesteaders uh, by any means, you know. And we don't get spooked about, you know, your Y two Ks and your your Mayan uh, apocalypse. You know, <laughs> we don't we don't have to get too worried about that stuff. But we do prepare. Because we always we are always in fear that a giant snowstorm is going to come and lock us in here. So right. we're always prepared with water and alternate heat sources, and you know we're not wealthy. We're not you know you know firing up the uh, you know gasoline powered generators or anything. We don't have that, but you know we have ways. We have ways to get water and heat. You know, in this very house, and you know we, we weren't too worried about toilet paper and things like that. Because I mean that's just our life, and we weren't preparing for you know a pandemic we were preparing for snow but i guess a disaster is a disaster you need the same supplies <laughs> yeah yeah I so think... really for us for us it's not a big deal i wish more people could kind of come and share it with us but you know the social distancing means that we can't share in some of the, the resources of time and warmth and love and you know you know, outdoors around our, our, our house and stuff. We'd, we'd love to be able to get some people in on that. And we always did share it before everybody had to go on the lockdown, you know? Right. That is the, that is the difficult thing is that, you know, not being yeah. able to have people in your home and not being able to go connect to people outside of your, outside of your place or, you know, it's, it's just a, it's weird losing that community. Um, just kind of, I, I shared on that with uh, our church, you know, cause you know, you got to find creative ways to connect with your church family. And so in the middle of the week, you know, I did something last week talking about the idea of, you know, we, we need community. We really do. And I think I might've said this last week. I don't know, but, um, but it, it really is. It's really kind of revealing the necessity of community. You know, we, yeah. um, we, we will, we miss each other. I think everybody misses each other. And, you know, and there's, there's a real social stigma on touch, you know, um, you know, especially, you know, in the professional world and stuff like that. But, uh, I think in just the, just the real, in the purest possible way, I think we're all missing touch, you know, just right. that, that normal hug somebody at church type of thing, you know? 
Yeah. We cannot greet one another with a holy kiss right now. <laughs> well, that's a yeah, that's an interesting way to kind of build into our conversation what we're going to be talking about today. Um because yeah. that is true, we can't be um there's a there's a certain uh limit I think we should be placing on what we do in that kind of gathering. And um <laughs> one of our main conversations we want to have today is based on uh, the the pastor in Florida, right? Um yeah. the pastor in Florida who's uh who was having his congregation meet, and he's a you know, mega church pastor. Uh, pastor That's what it says, uh, in the article, mega church. Did they say the population of his church or how many attended? Um, I'm trying. Was to... it more than ten? Oh, way over ten. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, way over ten. Uh, pastor Rodney Howard Brown um, was the is the pastor of the church, um, and basically, you know, his uh, his church had um hundreds of worshipers there on a sunday morning um yeah and i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out i can't remember the name of his church um i'm gonna find it real quick but basically um he was still having um pastor river the river church um river at tampa bay um he was still having his congregation meet and you know the 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 history of him really i mean to go back on like who he is you know he's a very um pentecostal prosperity ish gospel preacher um you know he has a real idea of the the spirit moving which is dude, i'm not not knocking that in any way shape or form but i am saying like he that's kind of what he confessed and professed and, and professes um you think there you think this is sort of like a uh a version of snake handling. Um, I, I wouldn't go that far, but um, okay. but he but he's definitely. I think it's it's one of those things where he's willing to test it. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah. he was always telling. Well, when the when the virus came out, he's actually known for being a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. Um, he did tell his congregation that he thought it was a a phantom, uh, a phantom um, virus created by the Chinese. Um, to basically, yeah. and so he he said that. Um, <laughs> I'm already he, seeing that Captain Ahab is is driving the ship here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He um he had this he had a mentality that um you know there was it was not a real thing it wasn't something that we should be worried about that it was just a it was a political stunt you know he he bought into all of those things and and he was yeah. sharing that um with his congregation oh, and sharing, sharing some memes too, my friend. You know these are the guys. You know. Yeah. And, and so when he, and so in his congregation though what he was doing he was having his congregation and he would actually tell his congregation feel free to um you know high five each other hug each other um you know shake hands with each other he didn't he wasn't afraid to tell them um right. to 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 do that he actually um you know he wasn't he definitely wasn't encouraging them to do social distancing um, in healthy ways. He was, you know, he would actually tell them like, "There's the spirit has the power to blow this thing away from everybody who's a believer in that place." Um, you know, he was using words like that, and um, I might I might have misquoted that a little bit, so I'll, I'll just put that in there. Like, I may have misquoted that. I, I know that he he well, made say that's a paraphrase. Yeah, he he made it, he made a reference to the fact of like so it'll it'll blow away um, that the you know that it won't that it won't affect us as believers if you're if you're a true follower of Christ kind of thing. Um, 
So he was arrested. He was arrested on this last week um, because he was holding a, a service on Sunday morning, and the right. there is a clear order to say no gathering of, of more than 10, um, and there should not be one. And if you are hosting one, then you will be in trouble. You're going to be put into – you will have jail time, um, and you will have a fine, and potentially up to a year, I think it is, in prison, um, maybe even longer. Uh, depending on what you're really promoting, what you're doing, um, yeah. you know, and he was in, he was in jail for 40 minutes. I mean, that's really he was only in jail for like 40 minutes, and then he po- posted a bond to get out. You know, so it wasn't like he was in there for like days. He wasn't whipped. He wasn't even wow. that. You know, it was. I, I'm not trying to sound like really dark and uh, hateful, but I feel like a mega church pastor is going to be able to go some bail. You know. Yeah, yeah, and so his, um, you know. People have come to his defense. Um, there have been some notable people like on YouTube and that kind of thing who've come to his defense saying, you know, we shouldn't be celebrating him getting arrested. We shouldn't be looking at him as, uh, you know, we should be praying for him. We should be in, you know, like number one, when those kind of things come out, I always get frustrated because it's like you they automatically assume that we're not praying for this guy. Um when, yeah, that's a good point. Like, hey, why don't you pray for it? Yeah, I, I think that a lot, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and so it's like, oh, you, you, you're, you're jumping on celebrating this guy getting arrested, and you know, woe, one video I saw said, "Woe to you, uh, who claim to be believers, and you're celebrating this guy getting arrested." Um, I'm gonna be, be upfront right now. I'm, I'm probably gonna be pretty, pretty hardcore in this podcast. Um, I'm probably gonna be because from a pastor's perspective. And from yeah. from what I see in scripture, and from what I hold to in scripture, um, this really yeah. ticked, this ticks me off um, because of the fact that this guy is putting so much more at risk than just his congregation. He is, um, and when I see people post things like "Well, woe to you who celebrate this pastor being arrested," I wasn't celebrating him being arrested, but I was celebrating right. him being taught a lesson. Um, because he was putting himself above the law to a degree. He was putting, he was putting his congregation above other people, um, in, around him. You know, we talked about the idea of like, it's time for us to love our neighbor. Um, yeah. he was basically saying, um, look, we are going to be, we are going to be okay. Now, again, look, you have 200 300, 400 people, you have hundreds of people in your congregation coming to your place of worship. They're standing right next to each other. Look, all well and good if you guys are fine, but what right. happens if someone there is contaminated, Is it does have it, they leave, and then they spread it amongst the other people because, you know, I, they weren't expecting to get it. So now they go out and they spread it, and, you know, it's just the thinking of the fact of, like, saying, we are going to be okay, but what about the people outside of the building? Um, you know, what about the people who are not able to come in because they are immunocompromised? What about the people who are being left out because you want to keep doing your thing? And I just look at it as a very selfish act. It's a very selfish act. And, um, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to continue, but I'm going to give you a chance to kind of speak into this if you, if you want to right now. Oh, please continue. Um, but I, I mean, I want to, I guess I'll chime in to say that I'm skeptical that he has, he has learned whatever lesson 
would be taught because I got guys like this. And I sound really prejudiced here, but it's my it's it's my estimation that guys like this see anything like this as persecution, you know. And I bet he's got a way to equate his imprisonment with you know Paul's imprisonment or John the Revelator or something like that. You know, you can always frame this as you know he's uh, you know doing the right thing. Like he in his mind, he could frame it as I did the right thing, and this is this is Satan come against me. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's an article that just came out a few hours ago that said that, um, you know, he has he has agreed to stop having services, um, Sunday services um, right now. Um, he also said that he has received death threats uh, for these charges, yeah. um, you know, which counterproductive. Like, we'll teach you to put people at risk. We'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we always go right for we want to kill people to show that killing is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of, you got to weigh out everything in this, right? And, okay, I'm, I do not condone him getting death threats in any way, shape, or form. No. Yeah. No, that is not healthy. That is not okay. No. But I am okay with the fact that he was being told, look, you either follow the law, the rules right here, and just do what's going to be good for social good. Right. This is, and people have looked at it as persecution. And I'm going to go ahead and address that a second because, okay. because this is what I've seen from many people who say that the churches can't be told by the government not to meet. Now, the government is not saying churches shut down. They're not saying don't don't meet necessarily. Like we can still right. we can still meet online. We can still talk to each other on the phone. We can still pray with each other through. Um, a, a Zoom conference call, uh, you know, you can still yeah. have conversations about the Bible if you want to. It's not like we're in China where you have to hide underground because if you talk about the Bible too openly, you could lose your life. This is not persecution. This is a virus that is killing people. And we as a church should say to ourselves, what is more important? Our worship time Right. Yeah. Which, which I'm not knocking that because again, I understand our worship time is important. Yeah. But and this phrase has been said way too much, but I'm going to say it in as cliche as it sounds. But we aren't a building, right? So it's like, and your worship time shouldn't be only found in that building. We can be worshiping, watching a YouTube video with our family. We could be having a Skype video with with our worship leaders if we want to do that. You don't yeah. have to be. In this situation right now, because we are considering the the world around us, not just us, and we have to think about that. and And I think that when I'm seeing people say, "This is our freedom," okay, because again, this is our American Christianity coming out. Yeah, because our brothers in China. Our brothers in India, our brothers in Muslim nations who are not able to worship openly like this are looking at us going, they're just asking you to close your doors for 14 days. If everybody would just listen and just close your doors for 14 days, maybe a little bit longer, when they allow you to open them back up again, now you can worship freely. But instead, you want to keep doing this and keep getting people sick 
we aren't going to be able to open our doors and they're going to end up shutting everything down because we're trying to be ultra spiritual and God's like, whoa, slow down, you know, because I firmly believe that that's a conversation that is going to be had because when what's funny is these people who are, I, we may have talked about this. I'm not sure if we talked about this on our podcast already or not, but, but I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say it again if it's, if it needs to be repeated, there are people when um, you can go into uh, Katrina, when Katrina was happening, the, the hurricane's coming. People are being told to get out, get out. And some people are saying, I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to ride it out. And when that was happening, people are saying, those people are idiots. They need to get out of there. They need to get out of there. And then there's people posting this, the meme or the sto- the parable of um, the person on the roof of their house that has flood around it. And they're saying, you know, the person's praying, God, rescue me. A helicopter comes. Person says, "Get in the helicopter." No, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. A boat comes. I'm waiting for God to rescue me. Um, and uh, another another thing comes. Or a ship comes. Come to rescue. Me. No, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. Then he, the person drowns. The person shows up to God. God, why didn't you rescue me? He's like, "I sent you a helicopter. I sent you a boat. I sent you all this, and you chose to wait. I was trying to help you." And I think that sometimes we think to ourselves, like, "Well." If God's going to protect us, you know, God's going to protect us. Well, maybe God's been trying to protect us by saying, stay inside, close your doors, shut down for just a little bit and realize that maybe we've been so caught up inside of our building that we've forgotten really what it means to care for our neighbor, to learn our neighbor's name, to learn how to love our neighbor well. We've been so caught up in how we we receive worship how we receive, how we're fed, how we're taken care of in our church, what we receive in there, that we've forgotten how to care for the people outside of our church. We've forgotten the people outside of our home. We've forgotten how to really care for the people who are on the block. And this is our opportunity to learn how to do that well. But because we want to say, well, I'm not getting my worship time. How selfish is that? Yeah. And a little, a little deluded, yeah, because like you said, it's like worship time. It doesn't have to be uh, that kind of loud and proud public gathering, you know, mm-hmm. and they're, well, for like, yeah, I love, I love the, the comparison between that and like, you know, the persecuted church in countries where it's, you know, not exactly legal to be, uh, you know, outside of state religion, you know, and, um, you know, the fact that they have to, you know, keep quiet about that, you know, unless they're a member of maybe one of three accepted state religions, you know, or state state approved religions, you know. Right. Um, and they can never gather in these giant, giant rooms, you know, that <laughs> used to be a mini mall now turned into an auditorium type thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, churches meet in, you know, and it, it is kind of interesting to go, look, you, why, why, why is that to you? Why is that what church is, or why is that what it has to be? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Andy Stanley shared this thing for Martin Luther, the statement from Martin Luther, um, in a yeah. letter in a letter from in like fifteen twenty seven. It was during an outbreak of the bubonic plague um, in yeah. his in his hometown of, of Wittenberg. It says, um, "Therefore, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air." administer medicine and take it i shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated 
and thus perchance infect and pollute others, and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely, as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith, because it's neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Like, this is Martin Luther writing yeah. us during the bubonic plague. 1500s. Yeah. You know, I noticed he didn't say anything about uh, washing his hands, though. Yeah, yeah. I won't touch my face. Um, well, here's the funny thing about that. No, I'm sorry I said it. it's not a funny thing. No. Here's, the, uh, here's the unusual thing about that. The bubonic plague could have been, been curbed if people had cleaned themselves. Right. Well, we know that now. They didn't know that then. They had no idea what caused disease then. They just really had no idea. Right. But I, I feel for them. But, uh, you know, Martin Luther uh, lived in a time when, you know, of course, he, he became sort of anti-Semitic in his, at one point in his life. And uh, during the bubonic plague, anti-Semitism was a problem because people looked at Jewish communities that were staying healthy. And they thought, oh, they're healthy over there. They're not getting the plague. Uh, they must be causing it. It must be like witchcraft or something. So right. they persecuted Jewish communities. And it turned out Jewish communities had, you know, a ceremonial washing. The, the washing that people do as per, you know, the, the law of Moses, you know? Yeah. And they actually got less plague, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Martin Luther, that's amazing what he's saying. You can see the love, you know, the the, the, the love is there for his fellow man, but if only he'd known, stay clean. <laughs> yeah. But see, like, I think that that's where, for, for me, like, you know, we're hearing of churches who are still gathering and people who are wondering, wait, why is this still happening? Yeah. And and look, I get it. Like and and I'm gonna go this direction a little bit because I think that this is a this is a real situation. Yeah. Money is a big factor. Because well, you mean as far as like a, a church um like raising funds? Yeah. yeah. Because... I wonder I wonder if that church, you know, is, is in debt and is looking at it maybe its bottom line, maybe its budget is actually so tight, you know what I mean, that the, the guy didn't want to sacrifice a, a few weeks of, you know, um tithes and income, you know. Yeah. Well many churches are in that position. Yeah. You know, when they go out and buy big buildings or brand new buildings because they think, Oh look at you know, look, we have the money to do it, so let's go ahead and do it. Right. And then they get caught, and then a situation like this happens, and they're thinking, um, wait a second, we still have mortgage yeah. to pay, we're still going to have these bills to pay, we're not going to be forgiven for this if we, you know, if we we don't have money here, we need people to be coming otherwise and giving, otherwise we're not going to be able to pay the, this building off, um, right. or even make the mortgage payment, and we're going to lose it, and then we're going to actually end up having to shut our own doors because of, because of our irresponsibility. And, yeah. you know, I've seen people say stuff like, maybe this this is a, a punishment on people from God, and you know what? I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go that direction, but I am gonna say, what if this is a wake up call to the church? Because have you seen what's been going on with the church? Like what has been happening with people realizing, wait a second, maybe we don't need buildings, right? Maybe we don't yeah, need. That's that's a great thing, and 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 uh, this this idea that uh, maybe we can um, all sit with our our families, you know. 
Yeah. And, and our, our children can worship with us instead of be dropped off in a separate room, you know. Right. And and I'm not against children's ministry. I'm not against youth ministry. I, I'm but, not either, but there but there really is sometimes there is this separation between the, the parents and the kids and, and how they're growing, you know. Mm-hmm. Kids don't always, that's on the parents. That is on the parents when the kids don't see their parents worshiping throughout the week outside the church building. But, you know, this might be, a, all I'm saying is this might be an opportunity for those families to get a chance to live that a little bit, see the value in that, you know. Right. And and I think that we have to, re, we have to take this opportunity to realize that maybe church hasn't been done correctly. Um, I mean, it, maybe. Right. I'm not saying it, it, it hasn't. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying um, that we that, that there's a possibility that maybe there's things that we have to have a wake up call to maybe yeah. our extravagant spending on big buildings and fancy, you know, smoke machines and big screens. Um, and I'm saying this as a pastor from a small church and and I'm not saying this like and people be like, oh, well, he's a small church. He, they don't have a great budget. He's jealous. Slightly, I am, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but what I, I, I'm, I'm just confess to you right now, I'm jealous of the production value of their podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, legit. When there are like, I mean, they have like great big old monitors, and they have all the right. fancy schmancy microphones, and they have. It's like, man, that's awesome. But what if we've just been overdoing it and not really doing what God wants us to be doing with our money? We've been creating a show as opposed to being what we're supposed to be. I yeah. don't I don't know if that's the case. I'm not going to say God's doing this as a curse on the church. I'm not going to do that because that would be ridiculous. But I no, am saying – But there is something for us to learn in every trial. Yes. You know? And not every trial that comes on us is like a scourge on just us. I mean – you know, rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. There are just things that are going to happen to everybody because we live in this fallen world. You know, mm-hmm. the hurricane is going to hit everybody. The plague is going to hit everybody, you know. And, uh, you know, that's just a big thing to remember. It's we can't be so self-centered. We that's like a church. We can't be self-centered, you know, right. like this is about us and about our performance. Yeah, it's just happening. And there, why is a virus here? Because... You know, when Adam and Eve sinned and mankind fell and were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, you know, I mean, all the diseases entered the earth, you know what I mean? And, and you know, people people started dying, you know, and um, we still live in that world. And this is just happening because we're sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. That's why, you right. know, and it's what happened to all of us, man. But what we do is we learn from whatever the trial is and sometimes – Within the trial is an opportunity for the church mm-hmm. yeah. to to step up and be the church. You right. know? So, and I don't know the, the way to do that is one thing I'm a little disturbed about is how fast people got self-righteous about social distancing, you know? Mm. So, and that is a thing that uh, I think is um, probably going to get old. It's not old yet, you know? But I think it's a thing that, like your 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 social your social distance police, you know, in your life, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, is going to become a person uh, that everyone's going to get real tired of in about five months, you know, yeah. or three months or whatever, however long it goes. I mean, um, and uh, it, it does kind of hurt to see um, people get so self righteous about it that they would say, 
well, okay, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm speaking, I'm thinking of like specific people in my newsfeed, you know, mm-hmm. who whenever someone comes down with a coronavirus in West Virginia, they post a picture and say, why did this person travel? Or why did this, you know what I mean? And they, they want to put it on the person that they did something stupid to get this. And man, whoa, we do not need to be doing that, you know? Yeah. I know that makes perfect sense to some people because some people are like, no, you must have gotten this because you were stupid. And <laughs> this is church people saying this, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. Sometimes I have that thought. I'll, I mean, yeah. can I can I just be? I could be honest on here. I think like sometimes we're, I, we're honest, man. Yeah, sometimes I have that thought. I think um, sure. because I think we're beyond the point now where you don't know the risk, right? Um, now I understand if like look, you're required to. I get it. Like I, I like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault you on that. Like if you can't get out of something, like you you're required to go somewhere for work or whatever. Look, go. I get it. Like I mean, just. But be but be safe and practical about it. When you come home, quarantine yourself. You know, don't go and hang out at bars or whatever. You know, or well, I mean, you can't yeah. hang out at bars now, but don't no. go and hang out at Walmart at the five dollar bin with a bunch of friends, right? Don't do that because um, it's yeah. not it's not healthy. Like it's the idea that I think sometimes we think we're above it, and it can hit anybody now like we were realizing that it's not going to be just for the old people like we were told or the people who are immunocompromised it's for everybody right right as if those people aren't like the most important people you know exactly and that and and that's the thing too we have created this idea of like well they're old you know it's like go ahead and send them out in the woods by themselves you know like I don't know why that's an American thing. But, I don't know what's up with that. And that, you know, there and, are other cultures that are pretty good at revering the elderly. You know, yeah. But see, we're not, and I think it's money. I do think it's like older people don't produce anymore. They take, they take resource, even if it's resources that they paid into all their lives, like mm-hmm. you know, pensions and social security. We're just like, well, you know, they're they're not adding into the system. You know, I feel this as a teacher a lot because, you know, um, legislators are always saying, well, you know, teachers don't really contribute uh, economically. You know, that's been said in West Virginia by people still in the house. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And the idea, that's why sometimes public education isn't a priority because there's not really like, it's not a business that's like making money is taking taxes, you know? And, uh, but I see, I think sometimes we look at, you know, elderly or um, people who can't work and go, well, they're not producing. So what value do they have? Maybe we shouldn't care about them as much as we care about the people who are young and can make money, you know? And that's such a flawed way of thinking because because yeah. then it's like again teachers yeah you guys may not be making a whole lot of money which you which side note after all of this I'm pretty positive people are gonna understand like dude you guys should be getting paid bank you know what I'm saying like because all these parents are now taking on this homeschooling role they're like wait a second we need teachers they should be getting paid a lot more than what we're than what we've been saying they need paid. But that's a whole there, other thing. There are, yeah, when social distancing ends, people will kiss the feet of a math teacher. Yes. But at the same time though, like to think that you guys don't contribute financially, okay, maybe you don't, but by educating the p- kids in your classroom, 
when right. they go out, then they get great jobs because they were educated by teachers who are not producing technically. Right. Now they're giving. It's like we have to think like that. And for the it's older, a big picture, right? And with, with with elderly or with um, you know, I don't know, people with compromised immune system. I mean, they are producing or they have, you know. And the idea is, even if a person is retired, they have created the world that you live in, you know. Or some of them are babysitting your kids. Oh, 100% Some of them are people's kids. So they're producing and not in these ways that, you know, contribute to the stock market, but yeah. in these sort of indirect ways that like support everyone else, you know? Yeah. And so, so again, to go back to like where we started, it's the, it's, yeah. it is the bigger picture of it all, right? We have to be thinking beyond ourselves. And that is the most difficult thing in the American construct of Christianity is that yeah. we have, we have forgotten what we're supposed to be doing and our ultimate goal number one love god right with all your heart soul and mind number two love your neighbors you love yourself and that commandment is just like the first commandment why yeah. and because we have to say to ourselves we have to die to ourselves matthew 16 24 through 25 right any man should come after me must first deny himself take up his own cross follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose his life yes. but whoever loses his life for me will surely find it we have to be self-sacrificial. We have to deny ourselves. We have to walk into a place of discomfort. And this discomfort of not being able to go to the mall, not being able to go to a movie, not being able to go to a bar, not being able to go to Walmart, or some people go to Walmart, not being able to go to restaurants, not being able to, like, in this moment of discomfort, we have uh -huh. to realize that it's for the greater good of humanity. God cares about all of humanity, not just America, not just us in our home, not just yeah. a few people who say that their followers are Christ. He cares about all of humanity. Why? Because he created it all. So we should care just as much because we've been given dominion over all of creation. Yeah, I do not like this idea of like in our minds we have a hierarchy of who's valuable and who isn't, but everybody's got it, Bobby. Everybody's got that. Everybody's got this sort of. It's different for maybe different groups, different. But it's like in my mind, if you know, if you gave me ten people, and you know, you, you stuck them in a lifeboat, you know, the whole lifeboat scenario, you know, mm -hmm. you think of the movie, you know, you stick them in a lifeboat and you say, listen, there's not enough fresh water for all of these people, you know, who has to get thrown out of the boat? I could probably pick someone. <laughs> <laughs> Because in my mind, I have a hierarchy of who's valuable and who isn't. You know, and the reality of it is, you should be the first one to say, "I'll go." That's what should happen. Is it, you should lay down your life for your friends, and you know, because I mean, as Jesus said, "Greater love has no man," and he would lay down his life for his friend. Um, wow, you know, but that—that's it. You should be the one to say, "Hey, I'll step out of the boat." But that's—I don't know. We sort of think ourselves exempt from whatever sort of rules of judgment we're laying down. You know, I like—I heard like you know, I always hear people say like, uh, "Okay, back to the uh, you know uh, coronavirus uh, social distancing um, self righteousness." You know. Uh, I think it's this mentality that we're exempt from the rules because somebody I, – dude, I had people driving around <laughs> uh, complaining, complaining that other people were driving around. <laughs> like, why, why aren't these people staying at home? 
Like, why are they out here in their cars driving? And I'm like, you're driving around. You posted a picture of it. You know what I mean? Like, why are you exempt from that? You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, and it's – so um, we're going to be going into the other aspect of, of – um, of this thing too with uh with liberty university here in a second because oh yeah because again you know you have two christian organizations right two christian places that the church in tampa who the pastor which pastor said okay we're not going to meet anymore on sunday granted it took him getting arrested to have that happen but hey whatever he's saying that But then you have Jerry Falwell, who has been a person we've discussed heavily in this podcast, um, who is the president of Liberty University, who has said, you know what, um, all my students, they went to, they were on spring break, um, we are going to invite them back onto campus. Now, to be fair, and I'm going to be fair yeah. on this, because the reality of it is, there's been some skewed information. So, yes... He opened the, the, the campus up for his students coming back from spring break. However, the majority of students who lived in the States, in the United States, um, or could get home, they were sent home. Um, okay. From, from the most recent article I read about this, um, they were actually sent home. The people who are on campus are people who are foreign, or are not foreign exchange students, but students from different countries that are unable to make it back home. Um, okay. And so... They have to stay on campus, at least until the time is up. Now, so there are actually people there who wouldn't have had a place to live otherwise. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So what they said. I'm looking was, at an article now, by the way. The article in the New York Times shows a picture of a Liberty campus, and there are four people walking on the sidewalk. Yeah. I've been on that campus. It's pretty big, and. Uh, it's not normal to see four people in that space. That's more like, you know, you're going to look down at any given time and see like a couple hundred in that space. Exactly. So, so the people who are there are people actually who were not able to make it back home. Now they are practicing healthy social distancing uh, rules on, on campus. There's a heavy cleaning staff that's there. Um, They can go in at certain times to get food and then they have to, like it's only allowing a certain amount of people to go into the, uh, into the um, cafeteria to get food or whatever. Um, There's a lot of uh, protection. Um, Online classes are being offered. uh, So students aren't actually going into classrooms or doing stuff online. Um, Liberty is actually known for having one of the most high powered online education systems. Um, That's where I got my master's from. Uh, my master's divinity, I got that through Liberty Seminary Online. Um, so they actually do have stuff going right on that campus. Um, wow. So listen to us. Hold on, I just want to compliment us for a minute because we you know we've given some verbal thrashing to you know the the you know idiotic shenanigans of Jerry Falwell Jr. And yet here we are giving Liberty University the benefit of the doubt. Come on, people! Come on, people! We're fair. There you go. And in fact, in just a little bit, you actually might hear me say something nice about Donald Trump. Um, which, or stick around, yeah. people. Stick around. But so like the reality of it is though is that we have two two places that are saying, look, um, the coronavirus thing is real. We're going to address that. One of them saying we're not going to care about the social distancing rules. The other one saying we're going to try, but we're also going to do something very Christian by saying, look, you guys won't have a home to go to or you guys don't have a place to get to right now. We're not going to boot you off our campus and send you into somewhere that you won't be healthy. 
I know. I don't. I mean, I don't hate that idea. I mean, they would be in their own familiar rooms. Um, I don't know what the dorm situations like it, you know. But I would maybe if they're one to a room, it it would be okay, you know. Right. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you can you can you can get around on that campus, especially if it's just like exchange students and people who can't get back to where they're from. I think it's I just mean, I think it's just over like a thousand students, if I remember correctly, that like we're actually on campus. Yeah. And again, like that's not very many when you think about a, a I just, college campus. No, I would not like the idea of young people being turned out. You know, I mean, imagine I mean, imagine you and like I'm a dad, you're a dad. You know, imagine your kid's a college student and they're studying. Let's just say they're in Italy. You know, mm-hmm. let's say they're in Italy and they they can't get home, right? And their college says, you know what, dorms are closed. Sorry about your luck. Well, where are they going? A hotel? You know? Right. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. You know, it'd yeah. be a crazy situation. And the thing is, like, again, this is where I'm going to say something nice about Donald Trump. Like, I don't think necessarily he's handled this the best possible way. I think that he is really coming around to the idea of what this actually is. And yeah. I think he's understanding, like, look, this is a pretty heavy deal that I did not know was going to become like this. Um, although he, differing conversations, he would say that he did, but he didn't. So, I mean, there's that. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but, he's, but he's... I mean, if you, if you just watch, like, the, the YouTube montage or, or whatever that everybody's passing around that uh, shows, like, how he, like, changed his tune, you know? Yeah. You know, gradually. But, but he is... Um, you can see it in him that this is taking its toll. Right. Um, he is being he is worn out as our country's leader, and I'm going to say that um, I do not envy him any way at all to be in this position. No. And um, he is. I think that he's at a place now where he's realizing that we could potentially see in the upwards of two hundred thousand people die in our country because of this. Um, that's, yeah. Those are words that he shared, and that's potent. That is a potential issue that he, um, you know, I mean, he's having to take on and he's having to lead. And so, you know, we pray for him. We have to be praying for him. Um, he may not always say the nicest things about people. He may not always be the most um, admirable, admirable person in leadership. Um, but, you know. He is he's trying right now, I think, to do to do what he knows how to do, which is figure out a solution. Um, he's going to try yeah. to figure out a solution. He's not going to be able to cure this on his own. Um, and in fact, nobody will actually be able to cure this unless it's honestly, um, you know, science, um, <laughs> you know, and we have to just trust that. But I think that he is going to be. Um, this is going to be one of those things that weighs on him heavily. And if he knows that people die or people are dying while he is in control, um, yeah. that's that's a mark on him. And he has to carry that. And so, again, um, I may not um, celebrate him as a person, um, but... You know, I'm not one. I'm not a person who will say not my president. I don't believe in that. I believe like he he is the person who's in our leadership, and we got to respect that role as yeah. our leader. Um, and I will say, I'll be praying. I am praying for him daily. And he says some dumb stuff. That's just mm-hmm. true. But he's trying to figure this thing out. I think like everybody else is. And so, um, you know, that's that. But. I think that when we look at what's happening around this whole thing is that we have to realize that as Christians, 
our president is telling people stay out of groups of more than 10. He is saying stay inside your home if you can. He is saying this thing is real and it is dangerous and we have to be we have to be able to care about each other in that way. He's saying yeah. he's saying those words. Um, so we as Christians, again, we can't pick and choose when we're supposed to um, follow the lead of our government. Um, yeah. You know, he's not telling us to bow to a, a, a giant gold statue. He's not telling us to kiss his feet or be or be killed. He's not telling us that if you believe in Jesus, then you're going to be in a, f- a firing squad or you're going to be hung or you're going to be, you know, like in prison. He's not saying any of that. So we can't look at this as persecution. We can't look at this as a threat to our rights. We look at this as a way for us to care for our fellow man. And so we we will say respect authority in this regard because it's pointing to caring for our fellow man, yeah. not, not bowing down to our government. And if we're caring for our fellow man, as you shared, Jesus said, like no no man knows love more than this right the one who would give up his life for his friend right that that is exactly where it's at like we can't like we have to remember those words and so giving up our life might mean staying inside our home and not going to chick-fil-a right um and giving up chick-fil-a for a couple months um it might mean not being able to go out and socialize with friends as much as we used to for a couple months. Um, but if it's going to save lives and it's going to make people um, be more aware of family and be more aware of their relationship with God, then you know what? We should honor that a little bit. Um, and we should, and we should be willing to step into that a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, my two cents on uh, Donald Trump are, um, uh, I've said this for years, Bobby, so I sound like an old, old guy now. I always say this. But when we vote for um, leaders, we actually don't know what we're voting for. And <laughs> I, I started saying this. Um, I started saying this uh, back in the uh, 2000 presidential election. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we didn't know when we were choosing between George W. Bush and Al Gore that we were voting for the person who was going to have to handle uh, September 11th and the aftermath. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that, and uh, we didn't know when we were deciding between, you know, uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton that we were voting for a person who was going to have to lead a nation through, you know, coronavirus mm-hmm. uh, pandemic. And so um, those things happen, right? Now, some sometimes we do know. Sometimes when you vote for president, you, you vote to say, well, which one's going to end the Vietnam War, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do know that, but other times we don't, you know? And um, so they're just bigger things. And, you know, I don't know what what that says about voting. Um, it, it's so often it's, it's a shot in the dark, you know? And I've always said that you can't really – everybody says vote about policy and vote about issues. And I always say vote for what you believe is the character of the person if you can interpret it. And I realize that makes – ask you to make a character judgment, which you might be uncomfortable with. You know, a lot of people say, no, keep it kind of – you know, their way of saying policy, you know, say vote for policy, that's their way of keeping it sterile and perhaps as scientific as it can be and, and not as emotional or as judgmental. But it's always about emotion. It's yeah. always about judgment, you know. And when you vote, you are judging between one person and another, you know, or, or several others, you know. 
So I always say vote for what you think is the character of the person. Now, this is going to sound I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the other side of the coin and say something maybe unfair about the president. I perceive that he didn't care about as much about health and human lives um, until he realized that the economy was uh, going to be hit so hard. That's when to me – now he does. Now he does. I understand that now he does. But I think the way to his heart was through his wallet. You know, I think you look at the economy and I think he feels good, you know, when the stock market's up, that's a reflection on him as a president. He's like, I like to make money. I like to help other people make money when they're making money. I look good, you know, and, and then he realized this, this thing, man, this thing we never expected is making me look, making him look bad, you know, mm-hmm. making, making him, you know, and once he was like, well, that's why he says things like we need to get the country reopened by Easter. That's because he wants to see the economy working again. You know, he wants to be he wants to be president until he can get to the other side of this thing, watch the economy bounce back, and say, "There, I fixed it." Right. No, and he I, was hoping that would happen by the end of April. You know, and I agree with that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I think the, I think that what got him to this point was definitely realizing the economy was was being going down the tubes. Um, but I also, again. Him having to figure this out and, and and wade through these waters is not something I, I admire or 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 not not that I admire them something I would um, envy in any way at all. But, no, um, it's it's really too much for a human being. It would it would take an extraordinary person to guide somebody through this thing successfully. I mean, that's why we have a shrine built to Abraham Lincoln in Washington <laughs> D.C. And and if you think the word shrine is unfair, when you actually walk up into the Lincoln Memorial, it says enshrined here is the spirit yeah. of Abraham Lincoln, you know, who, who, you know, who held the union together. No, that's a paraphrase, but, but the, the idea is that, you know, it, it takes a person of that level of talent, um, to bring us through these trials and tribulations. And man, I wouldn't have that job for a billion dollars, you know, right. I, wouldn't but he was he was a person who could do that now whether you know we'll have a shrine to donald trump saying this is the guy who who led us you know through the coronavirus pandemic um we still haven't built a shrine to george w bush saying this is the guy that handled business after september 11th you know (laughs) right so i don't know that that's going to happen because i don't know that everybody thinks he did very well you know yeah i think ultimately what we have to realize though so i mean we have to we have to be willing to say, okay, look, um, this guy this guy's in that role, um, and however he whatever it took to get him to start caring about humanity, um, at least he's there now. Um, yeah. And I am I am in a weird way. I sort of imagine a what if, and what if it was Hillary Clinton? And I kind of feel like the same thing would have happened, but people would have blamed it on the fact that she was a woman. And I'm just glad that I'm not seeing that. Yeah, yeah. very true. Yeah, very true. I think that's a definitely definitely a true statement there. Um, you know, one thing I, I want to end with um, in this conversation, um, and, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but I feel like we're we're cl- pretty much close to the end of this conversation. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think that coming back to the church, coming back to who we are as Christians in America, um, you know, we could look at this and think to ourselves like, well, we're losing our worship time. Um, we're losing our ability to c- connect with each other. We shouldn't have to be told not to be in church together. Um, 
we shouldn't have to have these limits placed on us, uh, especially for the church. We should be able to do what we want. Um, again, to think about our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in other countries that aren't able to, to, to be in that freedom. And if your first response or reaction to that is saying, well, I'm not born there, they are, um, that's a very self-centered thought process of your faith. Wow. Um, and if your gospel that you're holding on to um, only translates here, it's not the true gospel. Um, I've said that before, and I'm going to say it again, and I hold firmly to that, that if you're reading a gospel or if you believe in a gospel that fits really well with the American narrative, but if you took it over to Africa and it doesn't fit there, you're not in the right gospel. Um, yeah. So if you believe that, well, if you have the right faith, then you won't get sick. Um, I can take you to Kenya and introduce you to a bunch of people there who worship harder than people I've ever seen worship here. Whether you're in, you can be in Elevation Church, you can be in Hillsong, you can be wherever. I don't care. I've seen people in yeah. Kenya worship harder than people here, and have family members who die of AIDS, who are starving, who die of um, of, of thirst. You know, um, you know, you're gonna tell me right now that that your gospel of if you have enough faith that you're not going to get sick and you're not going to die, um, that gospel is going to translate in Africa? No. Yeah. Because like you said, it says in Scripture, good's going to happen to, to everybody. Bad's going to happen to everybody. Um, he doesn't He doesn't show favorites in that regard. Uh, eternity is is going to be for the thing that we that we receive if you follow Jesus. That's the one thing that he says is going to be is going to be for for his people. Um, yeah, but when it comes to what we experience here on earth, no, everybody's going to be experiencing the same thing. You're going to get sick. You're going to experience death. Um, yeah. you're not going to be, you aren't exempt from that, uh, just because you have faith in Jesus. Um, you know, so, so watch your gospel. Yeah. Well, I guess my final thought uh, if if I get to throw in two cents here, is uh you know when people uh, back to the idea of, um, that not meeting at church is taking our worship time away and taking away our human interaction, isn't the criticism with the Sunday church meeting that we don't have real human interaction at the Sunday church meeting? <laughs> you know, because people go sing the song, shake hands for two minutes, and then you know, as soon as it's over, boom. I got to get to Applebee's. I don't know if that's a cool place to eat anymore. I, I think they're going out of business. But anyway, um, <laughs> don't quote me on that, but some of clerks. But, uh, but this idea of like, boom, you know, how, how many times have you felt like sort of like lost and sort of uh, like socially lost and sort of like uh, confused and, and lonely because everybody just left church so fast that everybody's like we gotta get together you know and we know those meetings don't really happen they probably do at yours since you have a smaller congregation but you know i mean even in my congregation it's like you know people are out the door quick like you gotta catch people you gotta stop people coming from the bathroom on their way to the car if you want to have a conversation and you better walk and talk you know mm -hmm. like they do, <laughs> you know you better walk and talk like they do in the west wing you know what i mean like yep. you know because we're not gonna we're not gonna linger okay people gotta eat you know and that's always the criticism and i don't know i saw something from uh, one of my favorite songwriters and uh, he writes prayer books now and maybe he's doing um some music recently is justin mcroberts love this guy and everything he writes but he said on march 31st 
I'd like to suggest that the shelter and home protocols are making online connections mean more than they did before. Instead, this is a season during which we get to honestly evaluate how real and beneficial and human online connections can be. And I kind of like that because it's like, whoa, everybody, you know, you've heard sermons where people have like poo-pooed on like Facebook and talk about how that's not real. Meanwhile, we're sitting in a church where we, that we, that we don't talk to anyone in the church, you know, in the church congregation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, for me, as long as you, if you're talking to somebody and I don't care if you wrote a letter like Paul did to all the churches, you know, in, uh, in his world, uh, or if you're, uh, if you're, uh, writing a blog, you know, uh, or if you're Skyping with people or if you're Facebooking, if you're communicating with people, you are communicating with people. Right. And that's on you. It's on you if it's not real. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you're kind of fake and you're, you know, on your YouTube channel's fake. Okay. That's on you. Okay. <laughs> we can't paint with that broad brush and say everybody who uses social media, it's this sort of fake thing. It's like, no, man, it's like talking to people is talking to people. Yeah. It's good. What we, what we missed here is the touch and the seeing. And that's why at the end of all of those letters, you know, that Paul wrote to the people, it, he would have something about, I long to see you again. And he'd have lists of people that he misses. Yeah. You know? Mm. It's good. Well, man, as always, great conversation. It was um, yeah. definitely a good topic and good, good, good way to discuss it. And so hopefully uh, people will be um, engaged with this one because it's a uh, it's it's a it's a heavy one. So yeah, I'm sorry I brought up that Martin Luther was anti-Semitic. Uh, in general, I love his theology, but uh, you know he had his flaws like everybody else. You like, know, a, so. like everybody else, definitely. Yeah, I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that you know every every great thinker, you know, there's that dark side. You know. Yep. Well, hey man, again. Um, I, I always enjoy being able to get together like this, and so I'm looking forward to our next conversation. But um, hey, this is this has been fun. So you're you've yeah. been listening to the Frankincense podcast, and if you have enjoyed this in any way, um, man, take some time to uh, rate us um, wherever you're listening, um, especially on iTunes. If you could rate us, yeah. leave a comment. Um, let us know what you like about us because we need that. Um, we're yeah. we need the words of affirmation. Um, join us on Facebook. Uh, leave, That's my love language, man. Yeah. Words of affirmation. Yes. So I'm sorry for the touch people. Now all I need is a few kind words. <laughs> Yeah, me too. So if you can leave some, um, leave something on our Facebook, show us some love because we 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 like to know that people are listening and enjoying what we're talking about. Uh, share this thing, let people know about it because the more people listening, the better. Um, but hey, again, thank you for joining us. This is the Frank Says Podcast. I am Bobby. I am Jared. We will talk to you guys later. Bye. Peace. <laughs>